Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio today. My name is Kevin Pearson, and I will be your host. Pastoring a church plant that was a church campus can have its benefits as well as its challenges. Our guest today is Eric Nichols. He is the pastor at Connection Church in Columbia, Tennessee. Uh, Eric, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. Glad well, to be here. well, Eric, let's start off and just uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I come out of uh, seven years Air Force, went into wireless industry, uh, found a calling to move into ministry, mm. coming out of a career. So a little bit different career path than some. Right. Uh, went into ministry as a senior pastor at Hampshire First Baptist Church. Mm. Was there for five and a half years. At that time, and you may even remember back some, uh, I was doing a lot of uh, children's ministry with right. camps. I was doing journey camps at both Camp Carson's, uh, Carson Springs as well as Linden. And then I was doing, uh, I was teaching vacation Bible school across the state with yeah. Tennessee Baptist Convention. Yeah. And uh, that's when Tom McCoy came to me from Thompson Station Church and said, hey, have you ever thought about being a children's pastor? So I made the move from being a senior pastor to being children's pastor. It took a lot of prayer. Right. But it was the right move. Because when we were we were growing as a church at, at Hampshire, it was because we really were focused on that generation. We were doing everything we could, could to partner with the schools locally and, and what have you. And in the midst of that, I transitioned from with Tom and uh, Thompson Station Church, transitioned from being a children's pastor to being a campus pastor. Right. Because I had pastored before. Did that for five years, and Pastor Tom came to me and said, hey, I think it's time for you all to do your own thing. Mm. So we are now transitioning again. That word transition is going to come up a lot, I think, in right. my life right. <laughs> in the story. But we're making another transition to be a church plant Yeah. Uh, after five, about five and a half years right. of ministry as a campus. So it's exciting times. Yeah, well, it's neat. Well, let's back up just one second. Uh, you were in the Air Force. I was. And yeah. for how many years? Seven and a half. Seven, and a half. And you well, met, seven years. Yeah. And you met your wife? I met my wife in the Air Force at Offutt Air Force Base. I have a motto, join the Air Force, see the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. We were in Omaha for four years and went to two years to South Dakota. Okay. Our daughter was born there. So I actually started to get that call to ministry when I was in, and that was the reason I didn't go for a third enlistment. Mm -hmm. We came home and were waiting. Yeah, I already had my electronics background, so I used that to pay the bills until okay. God opened the door for ministry. Well, so. I was wondering what uh, if you had a specialty there in Air Force. Electronic you... systems was my thing, but yeah. I worked on navigation equipment and weather equipment on the flight line. Well, and it was cold on those flight lines. Oh, let I me tell you, it, yeah, yeah, especially Omaha, in Dakota, the wind. Well, it, that's neat. I, I always always think it's interesting to see how God has brought a person through their journey to prepare them to go into the ministry, you know, right. and right. to be in the Air Force. Uh, and and there was a, there, I know there's a lot of struggle spiritually and being in the military period. Right. And, uh, and But it's neat to be able to see God working through. Well, I, I grew up in the church, and I actually like to say I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up um, around the church, mm -hmm. meaning the people are the church. Right. Uh, I grew up around the church all the 
all of my young life, but I drifted from God, and it was in the Air Force that I surrendered to Him. So I, I had to see what it's like to one day be the life of the party, and the next day not be invited to the party. Oh yeah, it was it was a tough time, but it, uh, it really does a lot for uh, just getting to know God. Yeah, working on your relationship with Him, despite what's going on around you. Right. And so I think that that was a huge benefit. I, I really do thank God that that was my transition years. It helped a lot with ministry. Yeah. Kind of understanding people. And Well, now, <clears throat> let's stop in the middle. You, I think you said you were a senior pastor, and then you went to be a children's Yeah, pastor. it's kind of weird, isn't it? it, it well, I don't know if it's weird or not. Yeah. but It's not your typical career path. It, usually sure. not. So, yeah. uh, you know, that, and, then, and maybe this might uh, kind of lean into your passion for ministry as well. Because sure. obviously kids... Without or, or a passion. Yeah. And that's just because, and I think it's because, one, I'm a little bit of a kid at heart. Yeah. I like to have fun. <laughs> uh, but in addition to that, you know, those were some tough years for me. Mm-hmm. So knowing that you can speak into that and maybe help children, especially middle school. I mean, those middle schoolers are in an identity crisis yeah. 24-7. And those were the years where, you know, I had the night sweats and the terrors from bullying and all mm-hmm. that stuff. You go, you know, there's a way that I can help minister to them at that age and speak into their life knowing where they're coming from. Yeah. And then start to relate how Jesus has changed my life mm-hmm. and how he can change your life even at this young age. There's, you know, you always go back to that. I wish I knew then. Yeah, I wish, you know, it's that whole, what I know now, I wish I knew it then, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think that God works all things to the good of those that love him or called according to his purpose. So he's allowing me to speak into that young generation. Right. They're not believer. These children who are believers are not the future of the church. Mm-hmm. They are the church. Um, we we should do everything we can to connect these kids to Jesus and bring them, you know, bring them into the kingdom. Right. This is the formative years, but at the same time, the ones that are believers help plug them in to do ministry now, even at a young age. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an, uh, for some reason it's a passion. Well, let's talk about, uh, and I think we can continue that passion discussion especially where you're located right now. T- tell us a little bit about the Connection Church, mm-hmm. uh, kind of just uh, the people it's reaching, its location, some of those right. things that I think will make more sense as we talk about but it. Just knowing our mission statement probably helps everything. And our mission is to connect people with Jesus, mm-hmm. plain and simple, because right. we believe that Jesus changes everything. Mm-hmm. And here recently we started realizing that we Jesus changes everything when you realize he is everything. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, what we like to do is get our people into the community mm-hmm. because they have Christ in them. Right. Well, how do you connect people with Jesus? It's not sitting in these four walls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's you got to get out there and uh, show the love of Jesus. Matthew 25 is very specific about that. That which you've done unto the least of these, you've done this unto me. Yeah. So we got to get out there with the Jesus in us. We go to schools, we do food distributions, we do a lot of things that others do, but I think our biggest piece is uh, discovery clubs after school and things of that nature. You can have a club after school, the parents sign on the dotted line, and you can share Jesus Hmm. with children. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. And it's a fun environment, but at the same time, it's a learning environment. And I'll, I'll, you know, surprisingly, 
kids keep coming back, you know, and they're learning and they're growing. We're seeing them surrender their lives to Christ. We're watching them baptized. And sometimes even they're bringing their own parents to church. You know, the things that you would desire right. ministry to do. It's, uh, it's getting out there and going into the schools and doing that work. So it's been a blessing to see that. And now we've extended that to middle school. So we have, uh, we're partnering with a group called Discovery Club, and there's five or six of those going on in elementary schools, and it's multiple churches. It's not just us partnering together, kingdom work. Uh, and then we started the middle school one last year, and we're watching it grow. Hmm. So I can give you stories. Yeah, give me stories. There's a, in addition to that, it's uh, reading with kids. They allow us to come in and sit in the hallway, safe environment. Mm-hmm. They sit down, and you just, uh, by the way, reading with a first grader is not a lot of fun. I just want you to know that, <laughs> you know, the fingers on the chalkboard is a, probably a better thing. than yeah. a, You're like, it's the word is the. Um, <laughs> but those relationships, when you keep coming back, and I have kids at Riverside Elementary who call me Pastor Eric mm-hmm. because to them that's who I am. Wow. And I come in and we read. I read with the same class, first, second, third, fourth grade, mm-hmm. uh, until they left elementary school and watched them grow up and went to their little graduation at elementary, and it was phenomenal. The relationships, but there's this uh, little guy, Alex. First year, I helped him in in tutoring. You know, did the after school tutoring with the the teachers, helped him with that. The next year, I hadn't had a chance to get back in to help yet. And so I came in, I was talking to the principal, we were walking the halls, and he ran over to me and he said, Pastor Eric, I said, hey, Alex, how you doing? He said, I miss you. Mm. And that's when you realize yeah. you're, you have become someone in their life. Right. You know, Willow is another example. I came in, I read with Willow, I think she was fourth grade at the time, came in and read with her. Uh, we had read halfway through a Dr. Seuss book, and I don't know if you've ever read this before, but it's the tongue twister. Mm-hmm. Miserable. Yeah. It's a miserable book. <laughs> uh, Dr. Seuss, he was kind of interesting in his writing. So went okay. through halfway through it. Uh, we ran out of time, so she closed the book. She said, hey, we'll finish this next time. I didn't think anything of it. I kept coming back for a few weeks, and it wasn't her rotation to read with me. Yeah. So a month later, she walks out with that book. Hmm bookmark in it, opens it up and says, now let's finish it. Yeah. Man, you talk about eye-opening, yeah. consistency, and keep coming back and building relationships. Right. And that's where it's at. I mean, isn't this whole Jesus thing about relationships? It is. So, And, and ministries about work. Yeah. You, yeah. you don't just come in and present something. And not saying that people don't respond, but yeah. it takes about building those relationships. Absolutely. Long term. Yeah. I've heard it said this way, uh, I'd... I didn't coin this phrase, but I thought it was super, super smart. So sometimes I pretend like it was mine. Discipline outside of a relationship will breed rebellion. Mm-hmm. And you get a classic example. If you go up to that kid and tell him to take his hat off inside the building, mm-hmm. and you don't know him from Adam. Right. He will automatically rebel. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know you. But if you know that kid yeah. and you walk up to him and say, hey, why don't you take it off? Yes, sir, Pastor Eric, I'll do that. Right. Why? Because you've taken the time to build that relationship. So it's crucial. Yeah. It's crucial. Oh, yeah. Well, now, since you've been in the ministry for a while, Mm -hmm. uh, I know you've seen some changes in ministry. No. (laughs) (laughs) What do you feel, where where do you see things that uh, maybe are trending or changes that have been uh, taking place in the last 10 years as far as the church and impacting people? 
one of the biggest trends I've seen is that somewhere along the way, Vody Bauckham actually said this one time, I was, and in one of his messages, he said, uh, there, somewhere along the way, student pastors and pastors said, we're professionals, don't try this at home. And what he was talking about is the importance and significance of discipleship at home. It's mm-hmm. our task to partner with families in the discipleship sure. of their children. Uh, just as we're called to disciple our own kids at home as well. Mm-hmm. And so what I've seen over the years is when you and I were growing up, our parents took us to church. Right. Then somewhere along the way, dads quit going, whether it was, so I'm just going to shoot straight, but it was, you know, they joined the softball team or whether they were um, just staying home watching, or they just didn't want to go, right. it quit happening. Well, then moms started dropping their kids off. It's just this slow, degrading process that has occurred where moms drop their kids off. And now I'm watching them ground their kids from church because they know their kids love it. Right. They know that you know, they want to go on Wednesday nights. Right. And so if they can't get them to obey, they ground them from church. Yeah. That's how far we've come from the days when you and I had sat beside our parents right. and sang the hymns together. So that's a long way. It is a long yeah. way. So that's the culture that I think we're dealing with now is I don't think parents really understand the value of good, solid teaching of the Word. And yeah, so we're having to work with that. And it, and it's so critical. I think that parents, uh, and I know it's all education too, and of course it has everything to do with their own relationship with the Lord. Absolutely. Uh, or lack thereof. Lack of. Right. Yeah. Of them... Uh, realizing that they're responsible for training their kids uh, to to understand Scripture, understand who God is, and to teach them yeah. uh, what uh, having a relationship with God is all about. Which brings you to my favorite topic, identity. Yeah. Without a doubt. If a parent doesn't understand their identity is actually in that relationship with God, how can they teach that child identity as well? Right. Yeah, it's the significance. That's the important. Anyway, I, I I always go back to identity because you know, we talk about connecting people with Jesus. Everything flows out of that. Mm-hmm. When you realize that you're created to be in a relationship with the Creator through Jesus, it changes the way you look at every aspect of your life. Because we put so much weight and value in how well I do at work or uh, what education I have or, you know, was I prior military or was I not? Do I have a family? Do I have children? How do my children behave? You know, sometimes our children's can be, our children can be a, a pain, right. you know, or when we see them failing and messing up, whatever, we put our value in that. That's our identity, but that's not who we are. First and foremost, who he says I am is what matters and everything else flows out of that. But those parents don't know that. Right. They, they don't understand that because they're putting their value and weight in, every, in other things. Mm-hmm. And as you know, when life comes at them and rocks them, mm-hmm. there's no foundation. There's It all crumbles. The house right. falls in on them. Now, you've been writing a book on just this. I wrote, yeah, I wrote a 21-day devotional that came out of three message series. Yeah. And it's funny because one of them was a kids camp (laughs) but it it was such a powerful teaching Uh, it changed my life you know you start doing that you go well maybe I ought to share that or whatever but it's uh, entitled 21 days to align your mind it came out of a blog Mm -hmm. 21 day blog that I did in conjunction with the align your mind series Mm -hmm. it really talks about the difference between believing the lies and believing the truth 
Right. You know, the Word of God is living. It's active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. But what happens is when we open the Word, um, you have soul and spirit, uh, joint and marrow. Joint and marrow is the flesh. Mm-hmm. You have the, the soul, which is your emotions. That Word will actually show you how much of this is just how your feelings and how much of this is flesh and how, how much of this is actually spirit. Right. So it divi- rightly divides what are the lies and what is the truth. Right. So we have to align ourselves to the mind of God and the only way to the mind of Christ, the only way to do that is through his word, by his spirit. Now, if somebody was interested in getting that book, where, where would they find it? It's that? on Amazon. Actually, you can, you can get that on Amazon. So if you just type in 21 days to align your mind, it'll come up. Awesome. Well, hopefully, if you're interested in that, I'm sure Eric would love for you to buy his book. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, but I think it'd be some great, some th- great things in there that you could be able to teach yes. and just sit down and, and just, even so. Just there's one day in that that is groundbreaking, hmm. um, and so this is free. I, you know, I'm not. You know, it's <laughs> and the truth is, somebody really wants it bad enough, shoot me an email, we'll get you the book because it's yeah. just one of those things where it changed my life. This kind of teaching changed my life. I'd love to share it. Yeah. But there's one section there. It's my identity statement that is, I am who the great I am says I am. And it's so funny because um, Jeff, who used to do vacation Bible school with Lifeway, used to do their music. Mm-hmm. He has a line in one of his songs that says, I am who the great I am says I am. Jeff Slaughter. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I coined that phrase, (laughs) but then realized that I'd heard it in a song probably years before. Yeah. uh, And it so resonated with me that it became a part of that series. So I am who the great I am says I am. When I look in the mirror, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter the labels that people put on me or even that I put on myself. It doesn't matter how I feel today. Mm -hmm. The only thing that matters is what God says about me. I am who the great I am says I am. You know, I think that's such an encouraging statement mm-hmm. for possibly pastors or they're listening right now. Sure. Discouraged. All the pressure. You mean that happens? That happens, yeah. <laughs> All the pressure they're facing within their church or at home. Right. But they come back and reflect. Because we put our value and weight in whether we pass or fail or whether we succeed or not. Success is actually defined by one word obedience yeah am i obedient to god and if i am then i'm being successful yes and we think it's the outcome we think it's the it's oh, our church hasn't reached this number we don't have this much time right people you know we haven't had this many baptisms we have you know the measures yeah. you get the measures well the true measure of success is whether i'm obeying god or not so right. it's because my identity is in him yeah I am who he says I am. Nothing less, nothing more. Yeah. Plain and simple. So I've got four quick statements, and they're all C's because, you know, every good pastor uses alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, I'm created, called, chosen, and best in community. So it's I'm created by him, like him, and for him. By the way, it's all scriptural. So yeah. I'm chosen but must choose. You go to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says, it is by grace through faith that you're saved. Grace is his choice. Mm-hmm. Faith is my choice. Mm-hmm. I'm chosen but must choose. I'm called on purpose for a purpose. Yeah. Uh, that would be Ephesians 2, 10. It talks about us being his workmanship for good works. Right. And then, um, obviously, we are best in community with other believers. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 10.25. It's all biblical. 10.25. Do not forsake the assembly as some are in the habit of doing, 
but let's encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. So hopefully this can be an encouragement to some of those pastors. Yes, uh, we do go through tough seasons. But if we just fix our eyes on Jesus, right. he wrote, he authored, he wrote, and he perfected what we believe in. That's I think that's what it all comes down to when it comes to aligning your mind. You're aligning your mind to truth. you got to quit believing the lies. Mm-hmm. And start living out this truth, right. and we preach it every week. Yeah, and then we battle with it. We preach it every weekend, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we battle with it. Time to live it out. Yeah, that's such a good word. Thank you. I mean, it really is a good word. So, on that line, share with us a little bit about uh, as a pastor of a church, mm-hmm. church plant. Uh, what's your struggles? What are some things that you just uh, uh, really deal with? In this well, state? for us, it's a little different because transitions. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's, a, there's a fear that rises with transition. Yeah, We don't like change. I've actually come to realize it's not change that we don't like. If you were to come to me and say, hey, Eric, I'm going to give you a raise. I don't go, well, I, don't, I can't handle change. That's not <laughs> how that works, right? I think it's really the uncertainty. It's change that you're uncertain of. Right. And so for us, our biggest obstacle is all of these changes. You know, we're going from being a part of a bigger church mm-hmm. to now being on our own right. of sorts. You know, it's, it's time for this teenager to move out of the house and grow yeah. up and do your own thing. Right. And so that's been pretty tough for us as a church. And it's not awful. It's not, but it it's definitely the thing that you wake up in the middle of the night and go, hey, did I... F- did I remember to do that? Or did I? <laughs> yeah. So I think transitions and change are probably one of the biggest yeah. pieces. And of course, as a small church, what you just said, did I remember? Because the, the load is on your shoulders now. Absolutely. So if anything's going to get done, you have to make sure everything is yeah. done. Well, before somebody else was responsible. Right. Yeah. But now responsibility kind of falls on your, you and your team. Right. That's a, a different load to bear. Mm-hmm. One of the joys of being a part of a bigger church is I didn't deal with HR. Mm-hmm. I didn't deal with, you know, if the copier broke, mm-hmm. I didn't care. Yeah. Somebody else had to get it fixed. Yeah. Well, now if it breaks, guess who cares? Yeah. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a totally different situation than it used to be. Yeah. So. Well, <clears throat> I think you kind of alluded to uh, what was, what's been successful. And um, is there any, any additional things that have been successful in your ministry here? Yeah, I think one of the, the biggest successes that we've been blessed to be a part of is doing kingdom work. So uh, we love to not recreate the wheel. We don't, we didn't start a food pantry. We didn't start a closed closet. We didn't start food distributions. We didn't even start these after school clubs. We partner with ministries that are doing it and doing it well. Right. They administrate it. They have a passion for it. Mm-hmm. And then we resource it and we jump in there and volunteer and partner with them. And we're finding that we're able to multiply ministry mm-hmm. by not having to run every ministry. Right. I think that it's just a smart way to do it. Why create the wheel? And um, I think it's important to be kingdom minded. So. Right. There are all of these people that are so gifted and passionate about these different. So we partner with, for example, a ministry called One Generation Away, Mm -hmm. and they do food distributions. Mm -hmm. We absolutely love working with them. We'll raise money for them, and they'll come over here to our church. We do six different distributions within the year in Columbia. Four of those, three or four of those will be right here on location here, and then we'll go to somebody else's church and help them there too. 
we give away twenty to twenty-five thousand pounds of food, uh, and within a sh- very short period of time, partnering with other kingdom ministries, and it has created this uh, just amazing network throughout Murray County. Yeah. So I, th- I find that to be a successful thing. Yeah. You know, to God be the glory, uh, but He's glorified when we work together. Well, now we, we, you kind of <clears throat> talked about your struggles. In within your church that you're dealing with that transition uh, that you're facing. What about you personally? What What are um, some challenges that you encounter? Is it, as well, you got to get all personal. Well, stuff. it got to be a personal because we all are right there. <laughs> we all we we all well, wonder d- if we if look, we. So let me pose it. Can I answer it with a question? Jesus sure. did that a lot. Yeah. So do you deal with insecurities? Because no, I I think all of us we have to uh, constantly be in a state of assessment. And one of the things that I find is obviously uh, insecurities are what rock me or fears or what have you. And that's something that we are going to constantly deal with as long as we're on this side sure. of heaven. But that's where we have to fix our eyes on Jesus and yeah. trust him. So, And that, part of that transition, is, you know, you think, oh, well, Pastor Thomas, he's letting us go and he's trusting me to lead. But, you know... <laughs> I know what Moses <laughs> felt like when he said, well, hang on, I'm not the guy. Or Joshua he kept having to be reminded, do not be discouraged, do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you. Did I not tell you? Yeah. Did I not tell you? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Now I see why. Because when you go through this, there's so much uncertainty. Sure. That, man, those insecurities, yeah. they just rise to the top. But it brings us back to the whole thing of who... Who am I? I'm his. Yeah. I'm his child, created in his image. And uh, so I just have to trust him. But I'm not going to lie. There's some tougher days than others when it comes to that. So how do you deal with those tough times? I mean, yeah. you know, pastors take home everything and they feel it's all a big burden on their shoulders. And it can be overwhelming over a period of time. It yeah. adds up. How do you do You have to be surrounded with the right kind of people. You have to surround yourself with the right, right kind of people. We didn't accidentally um, call our call this church Connection Church. Uh, it's based on our vision, and it's that Jesus taught us different levels of relationship. Mm-hmm. I use the numbers 1, 3, 12, 72, and 5,000. He had the one, which was his one-on-one relationship with the Father. Well, ours is with him because mm-hmm. he and the Father are one. So yeah. it's Christ and the, the confidants. Mm-hmm. And I'll get back to that because that's really going to answer your question. But you've got the Peter, James, and John. He showed us those relationships. Sure. And then his 12 disciples are connect. I call them connect group because mm-hmm. yeah, it's what everybody does. It's yeah. a life group. It's a Sunday school class, but it's the same thing. Right. It's a group of 12 mm-hmm. where discipleship occurs. You've got accountability. You've got discipleship. Mm-hmm. You've got congregation. That's where corporate worship occurs. And then community. That's where we mobilize the body and we take Jesus to the community. Those different levels, he, he revealed those to us. Mm-hmm. We need to have those depths of relationship in order for us to sustain to sustain a solid relationship, to to be strong when the storm comes. Mm-hmm. And obviously the center is Jesus, the first relationship. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, when the insecurities arise, it's nice to have those confidants. Right. So we have elders here that are the guys that I can be completely transparent with mm-hmm. and just say, you know, I'm struggling with this right now. And then I have a group on, my, on a group me app of about 15 to 18 men who are prayer warriors. Hmm. So you, it's building those levels and having 
those warriors, you know, David was an amazing warrior, mm-hmm. but he had 30 men of valor. He had 30 mighty men that were right. around him, but there were three that were, you remember the three that were close to him. Right. So that's what I'm saying is we see in scripture, the significance and importance of having these types of relationships mm-hmm. And how they help shore up that leader for those times when insecurities come. Right. Because we may not swing a sword in battle in a physical manifestation, you know, manifestation of that sense. We may not see, we're not swinging. But the scripture tells our battle, tells us our battle is not against flesh and blood. So we need to have spiritual warriors on our side yeah. who are armor bearers and shield bearers who are there to help uh, when right. those battles come. Because they will. Well, and, and then pastors can feel isolated. Sure. And so they desperately need those relationships. Yeah, but isn't that a pride issue? It can be. But And that's when it comes down to dealing with your insecurities. We're too proud to talk about them. Then we're never going to deal with them. You've got to be honest with yourself. And the funny thing is God already knows. Yeah. He just wants you to admit it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wants us to acknowledge yeah. uh, our insecurities because then we can deal with them. Right. And it, what happens then is when we air those out too, and obviously you have to have people you can trust that are really close to you. But when you air those out, the enemy can't hold it over your head anymore. He can't keep whispering, what if they find out? Yeah. Oh, I've already told them. I know that you, you are a camp guy. And uh, so you... Where'd you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> don't, so, you, don't you go tell in that room. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> and, and you understand this concept, but I want you to just kind of explain uh, with... You don't have to explain what your perspective of, you know, you've done so many camps, kids camps, stuff like that. But does going away for a couple of days, does can it and does it really impact a church? Well, in this culture, probably more so mm-hmm. because we're hit with so much noise mm-hmm. and chaos and we've got media and devices and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. camp in and of itself is an isolation mode. It's a moment where you can shut that all down. And listen for that whisper, that quiet voice of God. And many times what it does, too, is it also gives us a focused version for that. So you have somebody who's been praying and preparing for it who will lead you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But once you start moving in that direction, you get the camp experience. Uh, I go back, man. One of the reasons I do camp is because I went to camp. Right. And it's probably... One of the reasons I'm passionate about camps and passionate about vacation Bible schools, you know, vacation Bible schools for the longest time, 25% of Southern Baptist baptisms came from the largest uh, evangelistic outreach tool, which was vacation Bible school. And I think still can be. Yeah. But if you have that passion for it, and I think what it comes down to for me is I'm passionate about it because I had great experiences as a child and as a student in those camp you know those camp moments so they were life-changing back then they, those are the things that where i received a lot of that foundational teaching that brought this prodigal home you have those to think back to you have those moments to remember so if we can create those moments for somebody else sure how fabulous is that oh yeah well eric thank you for just uh taking a few minutes and sure sharing thing. with us your journey and uh, and how that journey has just really impacted so many people and, con- and will continue to do that, especially in your community here. I'd also like to thank our listening audience to our podcast today. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Eric or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at 
Until next time, I hope that you look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.